Hey, before we jump into this episode, I wanted to invite you to join us inside the Life Balance membership as we prepare for the new year together. We will be looking to God for direction as we assess where we are and where we want to go in each area of life and set goals that are in alignment with the will of God. It's a different way of setting goals, but it's so rewarding. And when you're done, you'll have clear goals and mile markers for your first 90 days of the year so you can then apply the life balance system to your life and actually achieve what you set out to do. Start your free seven-day trial today so you can join us. Get started by upgrading inside the Your Life Rocks app or by going to lifebalancemembership.com. Welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical real life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast. This is our final episode in our Walking with Jesus series. Now, I hope that this series has brought you as much joy as it did to me. I loved hearing each and every single one of the stories that we have had in this series of just other working moms just like us and their walk with Jesus. Now, starting next week, we will be getting back into the normal groove of things that we normally have on this show, where we're going to be helping you grow in all eight areas of life, starting with really a different way of setting goals for the new year. Because, you know, this next week, that's what a lot of us are going to be focused on, is what we're going to be doing differently or maybe better or focusing on for 2020. I hate to say New Year's resolutions, because... Uh, I just really like that whole idea, but I do like the idea of setting goals and I do like the idea of a fresh new year and just the energy that comes with that. But all of that is for next week. This week, we have another amazing working mom on the show sharing her testimony about walking with Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever faced something really hard? Something that really challenged your faith, brought you to your knees and through that experience, Without a shadow of a doubt, you knew that God was real. Well, that is exactly what Amy's testimony is all about. There is so much power when we stop just going through the motions of our religion, quote unquote, and move into a relationship with Jesus and really put all of our trust in him, even when it makes absolutely no sense to us. I know this testimony is going to inspire you, bring you so much hope, because in Amy's story, all the glory goes to God. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Amy. Amy, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to hear your testimony and to hear all that God has been doing in your life and for your family. But before we get into your story, share with us a little bit more about who you are. Uh, Thank you for having me on your show. This is like um, really amazing for me trying to or getting finally to have a chat one on one with you. I have been following your podcast for at least a year or a year and a half now. So this is this is like a dream come true in a, in a certain way. So thank oh, you. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> thank you for having me. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to have you on because we've gotten to know each other a little bit in our community and getting to chat a little bit back and forth. And so I know that you have some some great things to be sharing. But before we get into the the story, when did you become a Christian and what did that look like for you? Well, I was born into a Christian family. So I was like born into Christianity in a certain way. My family was the old traditional way in where you go every Sunday to church, every dinner you pray, every activity or every dance, every festivity that you have, it always starts with a prayer. So in that sense, I was born like into Christianity. But life goes on, right? And then you, you, you reach a point, either you decide to stay, to live, or to really believe on, on what you're believing, right? To really profess your faith. So that that moment for me came when my daughter was born. Mm. That was so, my moment through. So interesting. So growing up, you were you were really kind of steeped in the faith and a lot of religion. And then, yeah. do you feel like you kind of stepped away from it, or was it just it was just more things that you did and wasn't necessarily a relationship until your daughter came along? No, I did used to work a lot. I participate in all the groups. I was part of the head headboard of, of the church, if you want to call it in that sense. I did a lot of work and I, I and I really was proud to pertain to a church. But when life goes on and it hits you a certain way, you start questioning, like, I'm doing the right thing. Do I am really believing on a God that really exists? It's like in you start like doubting in a sense. You're mm-hmm. still here. You you keep going to church, you, but you you feel like drifting away in a certain way. Like your feelings, your beliefs are being questioned every by everyday life. Got it. Yeah, I think that a lot of people kind of go through that. Where you know, there's certain times in our faith where we do start to kind of question and and really wondering. You know, like I, I believe this, but do I do I really believe this. And so I, I love that you kind of went through that period of time and that you're sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. It's kind of like, I'm here, God, I'm, I'm trying to believe in you. But if I feel like I'm doing everything I've been asked for, why all of this is happening to me? Mm. So was it why? more like just the hardships that you were? Yeah, it, those hardships, like in the beginning, it made me questions. Because if, if in my life, it not if it was not only one hardship. I went through many things, and every time I came out, and I will say, "I will trust you, God. You will take me out of this, and I will walk with you. You lead me to where you you need me to be. Right? You keep me safe, like you ho- always have has have done. But things keep getting like pretty hard, and and you're human. You come to a point that I cannot take this anymore. I, I want to, but I can't. Mm. So that was that was like more or less what happened with my Christianity. So after all of this, I decide that I am a Christian. I believe and I'm going to trust the Lord because I do so, not because somebody taught me or because I was born into this church. No, because I, I really believe in the power that he has and what he has done for me, my family and the miracles that I see every day. That's amazing. So you were kind of, let's just kind of go back a little bit. So you were, you were kind of doubting and kind of having these trials in life and 
not quite too sure, like where your faith was. And then talk to us about what happened when your daughter was born, like when you got pregnant and was the, the doubt there through the pregnancy as well? Or was it, did the shift kind of happen after she, she came? Well, just to give you like the whole background, I come from a family where very close with my parents and my father, my mother, my sister and I, right? We're really close, really, really, really close. All of a sudden, my father comes and says that he has cancer and it, it was a severe cancer. There was no cure. So they will give him two months of life expectancy. So he was, he is my hero up to this day. We live for, I live for him. Like he was like God and then came my father. That was the way he was for me. So the only thing that he came back and asked is, I want to see a grandchild before I die. And I was like, you are not giving me too much time, two months. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot do everything two months. I'm sorry. But he put all his will and all his power in his medication, his chemo, everything, because he wanted to last as long as possible because he wanted a grandchild. So that's, that was the place where we start. I have trouble. So I went into fertility treatment. The first one were not like, didn't came out in a positive way. I remember going into church that day and my heart was really heavy because I was trying to like please or make my father happy. But in a sense, I also want a baby, but I didn't know if it was going to be through the fertility treatment or it was going to be through adoption. So that day, the pastor was anointing with oil. I went and made the line and in my heart, I'm praying, God, whatever you have my child, if it's in adoption or if it's going to be a treatment, please keep it safe. Help me get this. I want to do this. Please help me. Keep it safe. So when I get to the pastor, he anoints me and oil, and he says, I remember his word clearly. He says, whatever that God may fulfill that uh, petition, that desired petition that you have in your heart. Mm. I went back to my seat and I was, my husband was behind me. So I was, did I was praying out loud? And he was like, no, I didn't hear you. So that beginning was like a confirmation that what I was trying to get, what I was trying to do, it was on his plan. And it was something that I truly could keep looking for. So we tried fertility for a second time and it came out that I would have three babies. Wow. Whoa, whole family was like super happy. This seven year old marriage finally was like bring child to the, to the family. So everybody was super, 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 super happy. Come things. And in the first month, I lose one baby. On the third month, I lose a second baby. That baby was never always remain in my body. So oh my I guess. Goodness. Every ultrasound, I would see my, my, my baby and my, my alive baby. It was choking. It was sad, but it was like choking. You have to be like, you have to have your mind what it needs to be so you can do this. And 32 years, 32 weeks old, I'm sorry. My baby comes out. She was a preemie. Still, I was a workaholic and I would say to the doctor, you are crazy. You need to drink your coffee. I need to be on my work right now. And he was like, no, you need to have your baby now because if not, you are going to lose it. 
Oh my goodness, Amy. So you, let me just back up here because this is, this is big. So you kind of got, you got anointed with oil. You kind of felt like heard from God in a way, having that confirmation from the pastor and then getting pregnant, losing one baby, which I can only imagine how scary that would be. And then losing a second baby. Were you afraid that you were going to lose the third as well? Yes, all the time. And that's why I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't want to hear those news. I was not prepared to hear that. So my husband has had a little tradition that he used to sing to my baby when he was on my belly. So she could move. And that day she was not moving. Mm. He sang and he sang and she was not moving. And I was like... Don't be upset. She's just sleepy. We have a week. We have a, our weekly appointment in two days. We can wait. And it was like, no, you cannot wait. You need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, no, no, no. Because I didn't want to hear the news. I was afraid of, of what they could have told me, right? So, so that's, you, is that kind of why you were doing the workaholic thing and saying, no, I need to work? Yeah. So you wouldn't have to face? Yeah. I didn't. And I was also because... To be honest, like I told you, my father was my hero. And if he was getting cancer treatment and he, after the treatment, would go to work and he didn't rest, why should I rest? Mm. That was my thinking. If he's resting, because when I lost my second baby, I was entitled to the maternity leave and I didn't took it because I say, if he's working, I can work and I don't want to be at my home. Mm. So I, I was like having all of these emotions and I didn't want to be by myself. I didn't want to face reality, maybe, if you want to say it that way. So I, be, I, I turned my, my attention and I turned my, my focus on my work. So my husband took me to the hospital and she was alive. She was alive. We could, we could hear her heartbeat, but it was very, very, very slow. And I was like, she's sleeping. Don't worry. She's sleeping. Nobody worries here. She's sleeping. But on the other day, 6 a.m., my doctor comes and she says, no, you need to do this right now. We have to take her out right now. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, the whole thing, like, opened through my eyes, like, this is happening. You have to face it. And my immediate response was, like, I'm not doing this if my husband is not here. You have to call my husband. He needs to be here. I was really afraid. I have never been in a hospital. I have never had any stitches. I have never had any cuts. For the most part, I'm like healthy. So being on a hospital by itself was scary for me. And then all of these rapid movements, taking you to the surgery um, room and everything, I was super, super, super afraid. But at the moment, I took a deep breath and I prayed. And I said, Lord, let's, let's this be your will. And whatever happens, I know you got me. Wow. So even though... Previously, in the months before, you were really doubting your faith and and struggling with your faith, and now here you are, all of a sudden, being complete like whatever your will is. I'm. Well, I, knew, I knew you had like you had total faith that he had you. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I I haven't seen it that way, like you pointed right, uh, out right now, but it is true. Even though I was doubting in the moment of truth, I I went out looking out for for him. Mm-hmm. I reached out for him. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the thing that I think is so amazing about the Holy Spirit is no matter where we might rebel or or try to find him in other ways through work or through other things away from from God, 
we all have that longing in us for him. Yes. And we have that, you know, like people will say like that God size hole in us, but we, we are longing for him. And I think it's so gentle that the Holy Spirit knew enough to give you that piece of faith in that moment. It was the Holy Spirit, as you say, because as I mentioned, I was my myself. I was really scared. There was no other way I, I could have gone through that if it was not for the Holy Spirit. Even though I chose, imagine how, how scared I was that I chose that hospital because I didn't want to go to surgery alone. And I wanted my sister right there with me. She's a nurse. So that's what I chose that, so, that hospital. So she could be there with me. And all of a sudden, I'm here by myself alone in a moment of death or life because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know what was going to happen to the baby. Amazing. So de definitely the Holy Spirit was there and I felt God's hand. Mm, so you weren't alone. I was not alone. I can tell you that. I was not alone. There was a certain warmth to it that you can feel his, you can feel his presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm not making any sense at all. No. But I'm just telling you how I felt at that moment. Yeah. No, I think anyone who has had those moments in their life where they are so filled with the Holy Spirit, like you can't even explain it, but it's just yes. the peace and the warmth of the Spirit just overcomes you. Right. Yeah. No, that makes complete total sense. So what happened next? How was, what was the baby? Well, she was born. I couldn't hold her. I could see her from afar. They took her away. She was a preemie. So they need, like, I, I guess they, at that moment I was like, well, maybe they have to clean it or they have to do whatever it was. And then the anesthesia kicked kick in and I went to sleep. So when I wake up, my husband and my mom were in my room. I was already on a, on the hospital room. So they were in the room. My mom leaves and, and I felt like something is wrong. You can, you have that sixth sense. Then my husband tells me that the baby was not, that she needed extra special care. She was born with, she was, how can I say this? Intravenous hemorrhage, if I'm saying it correctly in English. Sorry, English is not my first language, so I'm trying to do it as best as I can. But it was a category four, which is a severe one. That means that she has blood like on her brain. Her veins have collapsed. So she has liquid on her brain and it was pushing it to the side. Mm. Meaning that she had cerebral palsy. As the doctor said, this will be a long time journey. We didn't know what was going to happen to her. This was a small private hospital. So she needed to be transferred to the main hospital. All of this is happening in Puerto Rico. So she was needed to be transferred to the main hospital in Puerto Rico. And that will take time, time that she didn't have. So we have to wait 16 days until she can be transferred to the main hospital. After knocking many doors, calling the media, calling, this may sound crazy, but we even called the governor in the island because she needed to be transferred. We call our insurance, so, so maybe they could transfer her to the United States. And finally, the call came. She was going to be transferred to the main hospital. And that was the day, 16 days old, that I could carry on my arms my baby. Oh, my goodness. I had her like for five minutes. And she was put in the ambulance. And she was taken to the main hospital. We couldn't travel with her 
in the ambulance. So she was by herself. That was scary because the, it was 5 p.m. All you may imagine the traffic at that time. Mm-hmm. And the hospital is very, like, it's huge. So you didn't know where she was at that time. Those, that half hour that she was there, you didn't know anything about her. It was really, really, really scary. I was like, what's happening, my Lord? Now, at this point, did they already diagnose her with cerebral palsy? They diagnosed her with cerebral palsy. And I want to come back a little to that moment. I have always been known for being like this strong in my family. I Like I keep, I can handle the news or I can like handle whatever life brings. Even though I'm shaking, that's what they say. That's what they believe. So when the doctor told me that, we went out of the hospital. The, what, this is on the private hospital. We went out and I have to go through the stairs to get to the parking. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I went to my knees on the floor and I melt like crying and crying and crying and crying. I couldn't take it. And I pray and I say, Lord, this is my dream. And you know more than, any, than anybody else that this is what I want. But if it's not going to make anybody on my ha- on my family happy, or if she's not going to be happy, just take her now. Just take her with you because I don't want her to suffer. I don't want anybody in my family to suffer because I want a dream. And she's alive. So that was my moment also of knowing that he will keep her safe in, in, in life, that we will have many obstacles because cerebral palsy is a complicated diagnosis. It has a lot on on the journey, but that moment, I keep it always in my heart because it gives me the certainty that she's being kept by him. Mm, Yeah, that there is a purpose. That there's a purpose, that there's a purpose. And I promise to him that if she will, that if he will keep her, I will always bring her to him in her best way possible. And up to date, she has run in temple, she has seen, she has danced, she talks, she prays, she has done everything on the temple. But I will take, always take her to him in her best way possible because he kept his promise. She's a very happy girl and she has endured surgeries. She has gone through epilepsy, asthma. She's visually impaired. She's healing impaired. But you can always count that you will see a smile on her face. Mm, that's amazing. It's a smile that can brighten up whatever room you may see. She's a happy girl. And that's what I want. How old is she now? Well, this is why I wanted to do your podcast. And this is why when you say, you mentioned the date, I say it works perfect because she just turned 15. And in our culture, 15 years is a, is a huge thing. It's very celebrated. It's a big birthday. So last week, she just turned 15. So for that's that's amazing because we did not like foresee or ambition that she will be here in 15 years. After 15 years, we will, she has been through so much that it it, it has been a day by day thing. So being 15, it was like amazing for us. It was perfect with your podcast. And I think it's time to share Ishtar's life and let other people know that God is alive and he's still on these days, he's making miracles. That's incredible. That What an amazing testimony 
of him showing you and and to everyone listening to this that he is real and He's that real. that while we might go through seasons where we doubt or where our faith isn't nearly as strong yet, then he comes through in supernatural, amazing ways to really show himself and, and who he truly is as such a great father. That's such an incredible story. And I'm so honored that you shared it with us and that, man, for her to be 15, what a thing to celebrate her mm-hmm. life and what he has done through through her and with you. And so now that she, you've kind of gone through all of this and it's, you know, being a parent of, of a medically, I don't even know how to put it, but a child <laughs> that needs medical stuff, it can be hard as a parent. And there are certainly times that are better than others. And there are still times I'm sure, I, I know for me, there are where I find myself on the floor still crying and being crying yes. out to God and <laughs> saying, Lord, how are we going to get through this next thing, this next surgery or this next hospital stay or whatever the thing is that's, whatever that's comes facing. Yeah. Cause there's always something new that pops up. I'm sure. Well, we all reach this moment of doubt or, or feeling that we are not enough, that I cannot do this. I need help. And even if I have the help, there's a moment that there's not, you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know mm-hmm. which one is the right decision. If this surgery will be okay for her, if it's, if it's, if not, if I'm complicating more things, there's always that moment. It's been hard because also I ha- I have to work. I am an accountant, so that by itself is a high demanding job. But I along the way, I, that's another way of seeing God in my life. I have had an amazing supporting group, support system. Like people, even though that I'm in a place that I didn't know anybody, when we moved to Miami, we didn't know anybody. Like we were by ourselves. God always has put has put persons in our life that has shown us the way and also are willing to help with her. Like the school, we have a school that is for special needs, but they tailor the education just for her. So she's not on a big group. She's on a on a 10 kids per room ratio. But more than that, they go well beyond because they know we're here by ourselves and they help us with that. Like they take care of her in a way that no other school does, or at least I don't know. And we have the same thing with the person that will help us, people that call us, our family back in Puerto Rico, they're a big supporting system. They're always asking if we need them, they fly, they come here to help us. So I cannot say that this has been an easy journey because every special need parents know that no matter what the diagnosis is, this is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a complicated journey, but I have been blessed by my daughter, but I have been blessed also by the people who love her and the people that have become like really, really, really important in our life and that are always walking with us and helping us and trying to figure out things or and how to make life like easier for her. It's amazing the things that God provides and the way that he provides it. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story of, of you kind of walking through your faith and this journey of motherhood and the miracle that God has done for your life and, and really fulfilling your prayer in that way. Now, we are obviously doing this series right around Christmas time. 
And I think it's important that we always are keeping our focus on Jesus year round, but especially this time of year, really just the miracle that God, that God does. So let me ask you this, Amy, how do you and your family keep Jesus the focus of Christmas time? First of all, I don't, I don't talk to my daughter about Christmas and Santa's. She knows who Santa is and she makes her Christmas list and whatsoever. But I'm, I'm always stressing that the reason we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus was born. I explain the whole story to her so she can understand why we do celebrate this. It's not because you are going to receive a gift. We already received the gift from Jesus, right? Hmm. So I, I always like to, to keep it real with her so she knows. And I always explain to her, always, always, always explain to her that she belongs to Jesus and she's a child of God. And that's why we celebrate that Jesus was born. I love that, that you really bring it down to... I try to break it as as, as easy as I can for her. Mm-hmm. And but I love how you tie it into her identity too, that she's a child yes. of God. Yes. That's incredible. So Amy, I mean, one thing I think is really incredible about that is that you really bring it back to her identity and who she is in Christ and why we celebrate Christmas. Well, like I said before, I try to keep it simple for her and explaining to her how blessed she is. The first visit that we have with our neurologist, they explained us to us that her case was really severe. So she was not going to be able to walk or run or she was not going to see, she was not going to be able to talk. She was basically going to be my little doll that I was going I was going to be to have for playing, right? And right now I look at her and it's amazing. She speaks Spanish and she speaks English. She walks, she runs, she participates in Special Olympics. She cannot use one hand and that girl is like super, super, super persistent that she wants to play the violin. So she's practicing every day to play the violin. So she's blessing in many ways. And I try to explain her that, my husband too. Like he goes, you have food over the table. Many people doesn't have food. You can read. There are other people that cannot read. So we try to, to, to show her the gifts that she has and how blessed she has been in her life. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I love that. Well, one of the things that I love about the Christmas season is the music. It definitely sets the mood, makes me smile, probably a lot like your daughter. <laughs> what, what is your favorite Christmas song? Well, Spanish is my, my main language and it's called Bedilo en la Montaña. But I have Google it now and I think there's a version in English and it says, go tell it on the mountain. Oh, yes. So that's my favorite song for Christmas. I really like the spirit of the song and I, I like the spirit of spreading God's news. So that's my favorite song. And it has great energy too. Yes. I love it. All right. So my last question I have for you, what is your tip that you have that you could share with other moms listening? Because, you know, Christmas time is, can get a little hectic sometimes. What tip do you have to help keep things simple? I don't, I don't like to complicate um, things much. I like things to be simple and that everybody can enjoy. In that sense, I try things that we can enjoy. I don't try to do a, a dinner that can be like four course, courses and everything. No, I like to do one dinner that we can enjoy and we can relax and friends can come over and we are like enjoying our time. 
So for the most part, I do not complicate. I do start my decorations early, like next week, probably, because I don't want that to be tightened into the holiday season. I don't want like the festivities of the decorations, of buying gifts. I don't want that into my Christmas celebration. So that's what I start early. For the most part, I keep it every. I keep everything simple. I cannot complicate uh, having her. Yeah. So if you want a tip, I start early. I start early so I can take my time and I can enjoy the process, which is the most important thing for me. I think that that is so much wisdom is to take your time and really enjoy the process, no matter what it is that you're doing. Because whenever we are rushed, then that's when the enjoyment kind of goes out the window. Yes. And there's no need for that. We We all have Christmas once a year. We know it's coming. We can plan ahead with whatever time you need to. But the important thing is to enjoy and to really celebrate that Jesus was born. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate you just sharing your testimony and sharing what God has done for you and your family. And I just pray for future blessings over you and your daughter and your husband, and that he would continue to just use your daughter in amazing ways, that he would just keep giving her more and more blessings that just shock and awe all of the doctors, everyone who takes care of her medically, that they would just be in awe and amazement over everything that she does and that she would just really live to glorify him and that people would see him in everything that she does. Amen. And I pray for you, for your family, for your son, Phil, and that everything will go in God's plan. And Thank will. you. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Bye. I couldn't think of a better testimony for us to wrap up this entire series on than Amy's story. It truly is one of triumph in the face of really odds that say that triumph should not be there. And really, that is what it's about when we walk with Jesus, right? It's all of the glory going to him, even when we can't understand it, we can't see it. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all. He still has us in the palm of his hands. As we are winding down another year with this podcast, I think we're four years in now. I don't know. I've kind of started to lose track. I just want to thank you so much for listening to this show. If this is something that you've newly found, I want to thank you for finding us. I'm so thankful that God has brought you here, and I do not think it's an accident one bit at all. I hope that you enjoy going back and listening to some of the past episodes, jumping into our community, and getting to know Your Life Rocks a little bit better. And if you have been here for a while, maybe you've been here since the very beginning, I want to thank you as well. I know that this next year is going to be amazing because God's amazing. And regardless of whatever journey he has us walking through, we are not going to be walking it alone. Next week, we'll be kicking off a brand new series all about helping you build a strong start to the new year, including setting goals in a way that maybe you haven't done before. I hope you join me for that conversation next week. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com. Your Life Rocks.